Hey everyone, Mark here from the Real Appeal Podcast. We came up on some technical issues during the recording of our We Watch the Watchmen segment. Um, even though we announced our plans to discuss the latest episode of HBO's Watchmen, I unfortunately had to cut the segment out. Um, you'll notice a skip during your listen. Uh, we shouldn't come across this issue for uh, next week's show. However, um, I'm hearing word that episode 5 of HBO's Watchmen will be batshit crazy and uh, it's recommended that uh, you guys give the uh, comic a good read before jumping onto that. Just want to give you folks a heads up. And now, on with the show. Kelsey, hosting Real Pill this week, uh, and with me I have my very boisterous friend, Mark Salcedo. Yeah. What does that mean, boisterous? That means I'm loud. Oh, I will talk very low and quiet. No. Now. You can't do that because we're doing a podcast. Okay. Ooh, that was kind of loud. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... Visit us on our social media, blah, 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 Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, all at The Real Appeal, except for Twitter, which is Appeal Real, you know. Yeah, because if I remember correctly, I think someone already already stole that. <laughs> um, and please review, uh, review us on iTunes. Yes, please give us those five-star reviews. Um, want to climb up the charts. You know, we want to... You know, we want to compete with other big podcasts like... We want to be bigger than... Mark Maron? Ryan Seacrest. Oof. Ew. Just because you don't like him doesn't mean he's not big time. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna call him what somebody that I knew called him. She called him a bleached asshole. Well, he's not bleached if he's got a fake tan. Yeah, but I thought it was funny at the time. Now I think about it, it's not really that funny. Hmm. But it suits them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do we got in store for this week? Oh, uh, we have the news, which is not new. Mm-hmm. Um, it is new news, though. The new news, but the news is not new. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a recent review of Dr. Sleep. We have, we watch The Watchmen. Uh, you know, where we talk about Watchmen. Mm-hmm. HBO's Watchmen. Mm-hmm. And geriatric cinematic is 1980s uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Ah, or with some some of you people might get this. Kelsey does it. The Shining. I always thought people said that because it was fun to say. No, no, it's a Simpsons joke. They do. It's a Treehouse of Horror episode um, where they do a Shining. No, I want. I blah, want blah, to. Blah. I want to inform you <laughs> where they do a Shining episode. And they don't call it the shining; they call it the shinning because uh, they're gonna get sued. It's just fun to say shinning. Yeah, it is. It is really fun That's to it. say shinning. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess we should get on with the news. Um, Marvel's She-Hulk finds its head writer with Rick and Morty scribe. 
Um, I actually don't know much about. I've seen Rick and Morty. You've seen a couple episodes, right? A couple episodes. I don't know which ones she's helped write. Did you ever see the Pickle Rick Pickle Rick episode? Nope. It's their. It's Rick and Morty's like most well known episode uh, because it's just so ridiculous. Because Rick turns himself into a pickle, mm-hmm. and it turns essentially into an action movie. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's like Die Hard, but with a pickle. <laughs> It's it's actually really good. It's really good. And she wrote that one. She yeah, she's the one who wrote that episode. Um, okay. She so she's gonna um, develop and lead the writing team on She Hulk, which is a Disney Plus series from mm-hmm. Marvel Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, she also has done Nickelodeon's The Mighty Bee, uh, The Mighty Bee, as well as. Um, HBO like she, Silicon Valley actually she's yeah. done some of that um, and she's also doing a comedy pilot for ABC called uh, Lazy Rich Asians I think I don't know I don't know if that's even written right or something because I'm thinking that might be the Crazy Rich Asians uh, show that they're going to do based off the movie um, I mean I, it could be called Lazy Rich Asians it sounds like a parody to me maybe it's like more of a comedy yeah. yeah. Well, it says it's a comedy pilot. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. The um, <clears throat> the episode that Jessica was a gal. Mm-hmm. Jessica Dow Gal did for pickle. Uh, yeah, pickle Rick. Um, she won an Emmy for that episode, which is pretty astonishing. Um, <laughs> it's it's a really great episode. It's, it's, there's it's constantly in reference in pop culture. Um, I really like the fact that they are get they're pulling somebody as talented as she is to pretty much head <clears throat> be the head writer for this for the show mm-hmm. um speaking of she hulk we got to speak to um what's the actress's name we met her last weekend at that variety event stephanie beatrice oh, from yeah. from brooklyn 99 who is kind of campaigning for the role of of uh she hulk yeah she hulk mm-hmm. i think it's jennifer waters i think it's her name her last name um, which is a nice girl, really nice girl. Mm-hmm. Um, are you excited about this uh, TV show? I don't know anything about it, so probably not. Oh, okay. You'll like it. I, I think you will. Well, okay. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm not sure. Whatever. It's weird because, like, <clears throat> when I think of like, when I think of She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. All, and I don't know if it's because of like the masculinity of the time that I grew up in as a kid and like how the cartoons were and everything, it always felt like the female characters were an afterthought. Okay. And maybe she has a really storied history and a lot of um, like nuance in her story. Yeah. She's um, her name is to correct, to correct myself is Jennifer Walters. Um, She is the cousin of Bruce Banner, Mm -hmm. the Hulk. And uh, she gets into this accident where she needs a blood transfusion, and the only matching donor is Bruce Banner. But she gets the gamma-infused blood, and instead of, like, transforming whenever she gets angry, she's just green all the time and buff. But, like, she's a lawyer. She's very independent. She's had, like, several comics just on her on her own. She's a very, like... I think they kind of made her at the time... It was made... 1980s, where it was about, like, 
where like the idea of female empowerment and someone being in touch with their sexuality was like come in an order. Um, she's a really interesting character. She's like one of my favorite uh, female Marvel characters. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I'll have to watch it to really get on, on board with that one. Mm-hmm. I just, it always felt like, oh, let's make a female version of the male version of something. Not, yeah, that's true. Let's just make a female something and mm-hmm. not make it after a male version of something that already exists. Yeah, yeah. And this is at a time where, like, comic books were still aimed towards boys. You yeah. Know, so, but I think it's awesome. Yeah. Um, this next thing really interests me. Um, do you want to take it? Yeah. Uh, James Dean, a uh, legendary actor who died about 65 years ago during a car accident, is being reborn in a CGI Vietnam uh, war action drama. Um, the film, what's it called? It's, co- it's going to be called Finding Jack, and it's the director uh, Anton Ernest and Teti Golik. That's kind of some weird names. Um, they're looking to put this movie in production through Magic City Films, and they're going to use a, like a lot of um, special effects, CGI effects, and everything to bring it to life. Uh, apparently, Dean's family gave him the okay to use his likeness and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, okay, so there's that. And then, of course, as soon as the news came out, huge backlash from, like, people in Hollywood. Chris Evans himself is, was like, this is what Chris Evans said. Um, let me see what he said. Chris Evans pretty much had said that this is not a good idea. Oh, he calls he him shameful. And Zelda Williams, uh, daughter of Robin Williams, uh kind of say it was exploit it was explore <clears throat> was it exploitation uh she wrote uh it set it set such an awful precedent for future of performances of course elijah wood pretty much echoed evan's criticism along with williams criticism saying nope this shouldn't be a thing so i'm really bothered by this are you yeah it's like if you're gonna just take cgi a classic actor who hasn't been around anymore you're just finding reasons to not bring in new talent like why do you have to get james dean why can't you just get somebody an actual striving uh starving actor who wants to prove himself right i mean and this i mean seriously and what's to stop this from what's to have this stop at james dean they might get i don't know steve mcqueen they might get um elizabeth taylor they might get like other actors and actresses to being these roles, which they sh- like, just let them, just let them go. It, I no. think you're overthinking it. No, I, why? Why? Why you say that? It's one movie. It's not like it's not one movie. They've done this before already. With what? Uh, Rogue One, Star Wars Rogue One. Uh, Commander Tarkin, that actor, been dead for years. A uh, Peter Cushing, there you go, been dead for years, but yet they took his likeness and put him in the movie. And it was very unsettling. Yeah, but wasn't it just to continue? his role like they do that they do that all the time yeah but see his character wasn't really critical to the story because like you know you could have got someone else um but at the same time it's like why do you need to get james dean to play in this role why can't you just get an actual life actor in this movie here's how i see it Uh. it's not it's not about replacing live talent with CGI. Mm. It's CGI is not moving as quick as tech. Not like um, 
the clarity of TV and all these different things, that technology. Okay. And I think it's just CGI artists wanting to stretch their legs. Well, here's the thing. Like, there are ways to stretch, stretch your legs in CGI. You can make special effects or CGI effects look lifelike, you know? Or you can get an actual actor and put them in a dangerous situation without actually putting the actor in the dangerous situation. And you can really push the limit to create that actor's likeness. But you don't need to get a, an actor just to... You don't have to bring an actor back from the dead just to have them play a role in a movie. Mm. I don't know. Are you for this? Kind of on the fence about it. Because I, I see the point. Mm-hmm. But... One thing is his family gave permission, and the other thing is maybe it just gives a new generation the chance to see a classic actor, like maybe under today's circumstances. Like you can get you can get that in his past movies. That's not in modern times. Yeah, but the story can be seen as modern, especially Rebel Without a Cause. That's a that's a very modern time story. Nobody's gonna watch that shit. Okay, nobody's going to watch that shit. So why would anybody want to watch this film then? Because it's probably more relevant if it's newer. But it's a, it's a Vietnam War story. It doesn't matter. People still watch Vietnam War stories. It's like, why would I watch anything that's old unless I have a reason to, right? Like, you know my point. It's not that it's not an old story it's that it's not old looking it's not old feeling like Mm -hmm. it has modern movie technology it has whatever okay it feels more genuine or more cinematic or whatever you want it to be it's not old and grainy and forced and okay but then then i'll i'll do a little bit more pushback but then you're getting a you're getting a guy who's who who is dead. It's no secret that he's been dead for sixty five years. I know that. Yeah. I'm saying I think the idea is cool to bring someone old into newer minds mm-hmm. because they're not gonna watch that stuff. I think they are. I, I would not before meeting you. I would not touch an old movie. Okay, but because you would. it just it's like. It's old. It's boring. Yeah, but you would touch a, you would touch an old movie now. I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I'm I not. know, but not everyone knows someone like you, mm-hmm. and not everyone's as open minded as me. So there are lots of people who miss out on shit because they're not exper- They don't get to experience it because they're not seventy years old. Okay. I mean, I don't. I don't really think that has to has to do anything with it, though. I mean, I. I mean, I've been watching old movies since I was a kid. You keep throwing yourself into it, and you're not seeing the point. I know. I, I okay. I I'm I am seeing the point. I just think the point is pointless. Like I barely know who James Dean is. So why would you even want to watch this movie then? Because it would be interesting to see how they do it. Okay, so you're more interested in the technology of it. The technology. Also kind of interested in how they'll bring him to life, if it's going to be genuine or not. If Mm. it's, you know, maybe I could see a reason why his family gave the okay. Maybe what they think after it's released. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of different things. I don't think that they're going to go on with him and be like, okay, now he's going to be in another. Oh, James Dean, the dead action star. 
goes on for another 30 years, it's just like, we're going to try this, see how, what it does. Okay, gotcha. Um, the director, he actually, he said he, he didn't expect the backlash, which I think is kind of funny. Um, we don't really understand it. We never intended this uh, to be a marketing gimmick. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of bullshit there. Um, he explained to the Hollywood Reporter, uh, anyone that is brought back to life, we have, you have to respect them. Um, he also noted that... Uh, he said, you must always honor the deceased wishes and try to act in a way that is honorable and full of dignity. I mean, at least he's... At least he's uh, hopefully he's being earnest about that. I hope so, too. Yeah. Like, I don't want it to be where everyone is CGI all the time, but I mean, just cool to mess around with, I guess. I know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it is. I mean, you and I would see it like, you see it as like, it'd be cool to mess around with the technology. I kind of see it as like Hollywood's going to take it. Like, if it, if it does do gangbusters or if it does look right or or okay or something like that, I don't know. It seems like Hollywood's is going to start, I mean, it's Hollywood. They're going to start taking advantage of stuff like this. Almost nobody's going to be able to do it right for a really long time, though. Yeah, I gotcha. Because, I mean, even look at Lion King. They tried to make that shit so realistic, and then everyone's like, this lacks soul. Which, okay. Same thing with Gemini Man. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's true, but that kind of goes into the whole James thing thing. Like, the whole James Dean thing. You know, I mean... Even Disney did the Lion King, and it was Disney. They have money to throw at it. This studio, who I've never fucking heard of, I don't even know if they could be able to pull that off. I mean, they. I mean, they must think they can if they actually are going to give it a shot. Yeah. But I, don't, I mean, we'll wait and see. Maybe it'll come out. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll just be like, nah, it's too much of a hassle. <laughs> Which I think would be kind of funny if that was the case. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, the Academy disqualifies Lionheart, which is Nigeria's first ever entry for Best International Film. Mm. I actually read this story like a few days ago. Okay. I got so irritated by this, right? Okay, I'm listening. I'm waiting. What, how so? So it's an, it's an international film, but it got disqualified because it used too much English. Yeah. That's okay. some bullshit. <laughs> and guess what? Nigeria's language is English. Yeah, that's the official that's language. That's their official language. Yeah. Check this out. Because the best international feature film category, it used to be best foreign film. Mm-hmm. And they changed it to get rid of the foreign part of it to kind of welcome international uh, voices and shit. Mm-hmm. Well, they got one, Lionheart, even though the country Nigeria is predominantly English-speaking. And they're like, no, no, this is qualified. Too much English. <laughs> That's like some bullshit right there. And I heard it was actually a good film. Like, pretty good, too. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, net, it's, net, it's uh, Nigeria's first Netflix original. I'm actually really interested in watching. I had never heard about this movie until, like, this story came out. Mm-hmm. I'm so interested in watching this movie now. So, I, how far away is, are the awards? Uh, I believe the awards is in f- February. So here's what I see happening. Uh-huh. It causes a stir. People start noticing this film that they wouldn't have otherwise noticed. Mm-hmm. And then it gets reinstated. 
I, 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 I honestly think that it is going to get reinstated. They're going to. I mean, so far they're like they're the 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 people, the head of the academy, whoever made the decision. They're like headstrong. They're like, no, it's disqualified. Um, even though they changed the title, they didn't change the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, um, plus uh, director Ava DuVernay, uh, a member of the academy, uh, she said she tweeted to to the academy. Uh, you disqualified Nigeria's first ever submission to Best International Feature because it's, it's, it is in English, but English is the official language of Nigeria. Are you ba- are you barring this country from ever competing for an Oscar on in its official language? That that I fully agree with what she said because that can easily just start pushing other directors away. Like, no, nah, you can't get your shit submitted no matter how hard you try. For me, it's not just about look what they're doing to Nigeria. It's mm. also, this country gets a lot of flack. Oh, yeah. It gets so much flack. They, I believe I believe uh, 45 called it one of the shithole countries, <laughs> which is not. I don't know anything about it, like, and really at all, except mm. I just know that it has a reputation for scam callers and shit. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Yeah, you uh, know, and it's like one of those things. Like, I know there are great people mm-hmm. who come from that country. Like, yeah, the worst countries for economy and different things like that tend to have the most beautiful souls. Yeah, because be- they they come from hardship. They come from family. They come from like trying to unite to like try not to like die basically and, mm-hmm. and just be a family. Wait, you're saying. You said what scam culture, right? Yeah. Okay, so you're saying that that email from the the Nigerian prince was not authentic that I got. <laughs> that just reminded me of a substitute teacher I had in fucking middle school. What happened, please? Middle school. What happened? There was this guy. I don't remember his name. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't don't say his name. But yeah, but I don't remember his name anyway. Okay. And. He said that he was a prince from Ghana. Oh, this is a teacher who said this? Yeah. Okay, continue. And I don't know what it was. One time he gave me like a, a keychain. It said something about um not fo- you know, not following other people being a leader or something. Okay. And I always thought like, oh, he's nice to me. He's cool, but like now that you th- like you think back on it, you're oh like, oh my god, you're, that's kind of creepy. Why did you like me? Well, maybe, maybe he liked and, you. And you're a prince from Ghana. <clears throat> that you, you know what that? I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I wasn't there. I don't know the extent of his level of truth that but he, he was spewing. Sounded educated though. I mean, that's that's what's that's how it is a lot over there. Like there are doctors over there, and and. And professors and like technicians and scientists, and they come over here and they're like, America's like, no, your education ain't that great. Go be a taxi driver. Yeah, so you know? that's probably why he was a substitute teacher. I mean, maybe he was a maybe he was a prince from Ghana, and he was just like, I'm gonna go to America and actually teach. You know, he gave up the crown to uh, teach your white ass. But how likely is that? I don't know. Not I mean, likely. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I mean, did he try to like offer you a million dollars if you got if if he gave you his bank account number? And the, <laughs> the, well, I mean, judging from the fact he's from Ghana, not Nigeria, you know, mm-hmm. Nigeria is the only country with scam culture. Just so you know. 
Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I say that with sarcasm, yeah. okay? Don't kill me. Folks, she's being sarcastic. She's being sarcastic. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, so... Yeah, so, America's not a scam culture either. <laughs> um, okay, so a little bit more into the story. Uh, it said, most of Lionheart is in English with just 12 minutes of dialogue in uh, Igbo language, uh, primarily speaking in Eastern Nigeria. That's some bullshit, man. I honestly think that the, the academy is going to switch and they're going to let them in. But they, they'll probably be like, all right, we'll allow you guys in. But like, we're changing the fucking rules. They, they have. I mean, they have to. Yeah. It's not the only country with, that primarily speaks English either. Yeah, yeah. There are plenty of other other countries. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I know that England is closely related to America, but I'm sure that they make it an indie film. It would still have to be accepted. Yeah, it probably has to be considered considered a foreign film, um, like Australia. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some like legit Australian directors, and I'm sure they would want to send their stuff out here. I would like to see their stuff uh, being nominated for Oscar if it's good, if it's worthy, if it's noteworthy. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, let it compete with other foreign films like Parasite or Pain and Glory. Mm-hmm. You know, just fucking level the playing field. Exactly. All right. Um, oh wait, wait! Before we get into a recent review. I want to tell a small story. Okay. So, my mother listened to this podcast. <laughs> I was just thinking about that an hour before we started. Um, as you guys have been listening to us for at least 25 episodes, Kelsey and I can be very crass and vulgar at times and everything, but we all do in the name of fun, and it's not we're not all dead serious. Um, but my mother, I told her that I was that Kelsey and I do this podcast. Actually, I think I told her first and you're like, "Why did you oh, tell yeah, her?" Oh, yeah, that's right. Kelsey told her first and then my mom asked me about. It. No, I think I think I told her because I was like, "Yeah, we're, we need to get this audio interface, we need to do this, blah blah blah." And I, uh-huh. But I think I think you actually were like telling her like, "Yeah, we've been doing this." So, she, you know, hearing from someone else, she's like, "Oh, my son, yeah, yeah, my yeah. son's telling the truth." <laughs> and she gave a listen to and it was the uh Terminator. Terminator episode uh Don't Hate Terminate. And my mom's very old school, and she just—I completely forgot Kelsey and I were talking about this. But a couple of times we were like, "Well," in, in what my mom's word says, "Why do you have to say f kids, f that, and everything?" <laughs> and you know, don't speak like that, you know. And she she even called, um, she even said, "Like I understand parents would call their kids rugrats," and I was like, "Rugrats? Who who calls rugrats anymore?" <laughs> Um, well, she does. Yeah, she apparently. does. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just thought it was funny. I just wanted to share that. And, uh, and mom, if you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's all I got to say. Uh, I'm glad she listened, though. Yeah, she finally... I honestly I honestly never thought she would listen because I've to- told her about my other stuff. Like, oh, yeah, I wrote this article or I got this interview or I went to this festival. My mom's just like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. You know, it's good that you're doing that. But, you, you know, it's a whole thing. Like, oh, my, yeah, it's good. You know, go away. I'm watching <laughs> Law and Order or something. Yeah. <laughs> something like like how my kids are always like, hey, I'm watching this video right now and I think it's hilarious. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Do you want to watch it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. no. Get away from me. I don't yeah. want to watch that shit. You're like turning it to my mom right there. <laughs> All right. Um, now we're going to go into our recent review of Dr. Sleep. You're magic, like me. I need you to listen to me. 
The world's a hungry place. A dark place. Hi there. I only met two or three people like us. They died. When I was a kid, I bumped into these things. about magic I I always called it the shining oh man that trailer that's good trailer god I love that trailer I like that song that trailer it's a- I like the song and I like the the drama yeah and the, like the dreariness it kind of reminds it's funny like the song actually kind of reminds me of 2001 Space Odyssey the song that they use in it yeah so I don't know if Mike Flanagan was aiming for that maybe um and I know we'll talk about it a little bit more, but I think his cinematography really is something. Like, yes, like he was definitely going for something grander. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was you know directed by Mike Flanagan. He did The Haunting of Hill House. Um, well, how do you say oh, that? Oh, Gerald's Game. I spelled. I believe I spelled that wrong. Ger- oh, Gerald's you, Game. You put Gellard's Game. Gellard's Game. <laughs> I was like, is it Gellard's? Gellard's? Uh, Ouija, Origin of Evil. I don't think I've heard of that movie. Um, it was written by Mike Flanagan. And Snops is years following the events of The Shining, a now adult Dan Torrance must protect a young girl with similar powers from a, gul- a cult known as the True Knot, who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. Yes. So, you know, they are supernatural pedophiles. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> uh, it stars Ewan McGregor as Dan Torrance, uh, Rebecca Ferguson as Rose the Hat. I really like her. Um, Kylie Curran as Abra Stone. And, uh, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> um, I, I mean, he has a bunch of other people that I really don't know who they are. Okay. Do you know who they are? Yeah, Cliff Curtis. Cliff Curtis, uh, Kiwi actor, director. Then uh, Zan McLaren, sorry, McLaren, Crow Daddy, or what I call backup singer for the Backstreet Boys. Jesus. <laughs> I won't let that go. You're wrong about that. I'm not going to let that no, go. No, I'm going to put it to the audience. Okay. Okay? All right. Please at least look up pictures of Zane McLaren. Zane McLaren, yeah. Let me- and, and then look at him as he is in Doctor Sleep. Mm-hmm. And then look up the members of the Backstreet Boys, and you will see that he does not look like him at all. He does. He looks more like a very sun-leathered Charles Manson. Ooh, okay. I think he looks crazy like him. Gotcha. At least in this film, he does. Gotcha. So... Dr. Sleep, based off the Stephen King novel. Uh, the, the, the sequel to The Shining. Mm-hmm. What did you think about this movie, Kelsey? I think that it was... I'm actually, first of all, really surprised that I think... Um, 
Yeah, I'm what? Stephen King mm-hmm. liked it because I heard that he didn't like The Shining. Yeah, um, Stephen King's hatred for The Shining is well known through the cinema world. All right, so I think he, they, he did a really good job, um, Mike Flanagan did, of paying respect to both Stephen King and Stanley Kubrick. Okay. Um. I didn't find almost like a whole lot irritating or wrong with the film. I really enjoyed it. Okay. And um, I thought it was pretty easy to follow, even though it's supernatural and it does. That's not always the case. Yeah, because sometimes um, it's like a lot of sometimes it's like a lot of world building, a lot of rules that need to be set. Right. For like what you know what this means, what this power does, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think they did a good job of being pretty straightforward with whatever powers they choose to show. Mm-hmm. And because they don't ma- try to over-dramatize it, mm-hmm. I think that it, it made the cinematography even better because they could play more with that. Yeah. As opposed to creating this huge convoluted story uh, based off of a power that doesn't actually exist yeah a lot of um i've read a few stephen king novels and they can they tend to be very dense and very thick and very kind of like really crazy and how to like build this build the whole world within the story um i've i've read the shining and seen the movie i haven't read dr sleep but i saw dr sleep um i actually like both versions of The Shining. I even like the made-for-TV uh, miniseries mm-hmm. that came out like in 96, I think. That was actually more faithful to the book. Um, but as in Doctor Sleep, I actually really enjoyed this movie a ton. Um, the first 30 minutes was a little bothersome to me because it was just kind of like a lot of people just... It was a lot of moving forward, but without even really moving. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that... If, if that if you kind of get that it's just like you see a lot of people you see like you mcgregor's character you see dan torrance you see um Aberstone, you see rose the hat you see these three characters that are eventually going to connect and they're just like doing stuff and it's kind of like why why am i seeing the people just doing stuff for like half an hour so like i get what you're saying so instead of like Going along with the story, you're just following random people. You're not following a story. You're just following people. Yeah, so yeah. you might as well just be a child with your mom at the store running an errand. For yeah, 30 exactly. Minutes. Like, yeah, like I knew, I knew who Hugh McGregor was playing. Obviously, she's he's playing Dan Torrance, and we're seeing him kind of like, kind of run away from what happened in The Shining. He's still traumatized by the events, but at the same time, we're following this little girl. But we're just like, all right, we see this little girl. All right, she's at a birthday party. Oh, she has powers. Okay. <laughs> like, kind of like that. And then, like, Rose the Hat. <sighs> I don't know. Like, that that whole group she was rolling with, the True Knot, I didn't get a sense of, like, danger from those people at all. You didn't? No. Like, Rose the Hat, I can see her being, like, uh, a formidable foe. Or even the girl who played uh, Emily Allen. The girl, the actress, Emily Allen Lynn, who played Snake by Andy. Mm-hmm. I can get her because they... They give you an idea of her powers at the beginning of the movie, which mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, that girl's a threat. But everybody else, I'm just like, I don't see them as a threat other than like their eyes glow and they have a knife. And like, that's it. And like, 
I can walk down like an, uh, a dark alley right now and be more terrified than with seeing the, than with these characters. Yeah. Um, I have a comment, but I have to wait for the spoiler section. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will have to give the Mike Flanagan's direction. Uh, I've only seen uh, the haunting of the haunting of Hill House, which is amazing, fucking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I think like I was watching, I was like, you got to watch this show. Yeah. Fucking phenomenal show. I haven't checked out Gerald's Game, which I heard is... Gerald's Game is another Stephen King adaptation that I've heard is actually pretty faithful to the book as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've actually heard... Uh, I'm about to say Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> Luigi's Mansion? Yeah, yeah Luigi. <laughs> Luigi, Origin of Evil. Uh, Luigi, Origin of Evil. I actually heard that's a, that's a pretty decent horror film. Um, so when I heard my final was directing uh, Dr. Sleep, I was like, okay, cool. Like, I know what this dude's work, you know. Mm-hmm. He did a really good job. And like you had said a couple minutes ago, he does really pay uh, a number of he does pay he does pay respect to Kubrick's vision and a Stephen King's vision without it being really muddled up or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, some of this movie does take quite a bit from uh, The Shining, from the movie, and from the book, mm-hmm. which we'll get into details in the spoiler section. What like what parts they took off. Um, but I mean, I mean, other than that, like I say, it was, it was a great film to watch. I'm, I'm actually disappointed that like, it's considered a flop at the box office. I am too. I was surprised. So we saw the first, we saw it. Mm -hmm. Then I heard that and I was very surprised because it's a good movie. Yeah. And it's not like he does. This is, this, this is why I don't really watch a lot of horror movies in theaters. They, a lot of, a lot of times they, they use jump scares I think they did once, but they did it in a really stupid spot, and it was intentionally dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you talking about that, that screaming part? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, like, this one, like, there's maybe one jump scare, but everything was, like, a slow buildup and, like, an actually, like, scary moment where, like, oh, shit. Right. Um, even, like, even like maybe, like, the eyes of the true knot, that was kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but it was good. Or, you know, maybe they all have eye cancer. In both their eyes. <laughs> yeah. Was it? Is it? What's it called? Cataracts? It's not called cataracts. No. Is it called eye cancer? No. I'm sure it's something. It's <laughs> something medical. <laughs> something medical. Yeah. Something blastoma. I don't know. <laughs> blastoma. You never heard of a blastoma? I think I've heard the name. The name. I've heard the band <laughs> blastoma. Yeah, it's a Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, blastoma. <laughs> I choose you. Oh, I can't see. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, without, uh, but without, uh, you want to get into, into the spoiler section? Damn, that's a good joke. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think we should, we should jump into the spoiler section because we got a lot of, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. It's not like you said jump into the, the spoiler sexy. Jump into the spoiler sexy? Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Pretending to hear the spoiler section song in my head while, you know, <laughs> we're, you know we're like dancing and I don't even remember what it sounds like. <laughs> you know what's funny is uh, you guys, you guys hear the spoiler, the spoiler bumper and uh, we went through quite a few like music files or whatever to try to find the right one. But this one seemed to like connect with us the most. 
And there are times where, like, we have to kind of, like, be quiet. Just kind of give you a behind-the-scenes idea. We have to be quiet to kind of give in the gap to fit the spoiler bumper. Yeah. And every time we're quiet, we're kind of, like, shaking our head, like, yeah, we can hear the music. (laughs) But it's just silent. Yeah, it's not even play at all. It just shows how mad we are. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Don Darko. Yes. (laughs) Um, First off, I have a question for you. Sure. Abra. Yes. Does she exist? In Stephen King's books. Oh, I mean, she, she's the main character in Dr. Sleep. And that was her name? Yeah, Everstone. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I'm just amazed that he would choose that name. Why? Well, I don't know. It doesn't sound like a name a old white man would choose. And it's very modern, is what I'm saying. Well, I mean, well, it's, it's a modern... This Dr. Sleep came out, I think, maybe 2013? The so, book did? Yeah. Oh. So maybe so maybe he just wanted to find a more common name, a more realistic name, I guess. A more, I'm going to say maybe ethnic name. Well, it is, but it's not like embarrassing. No, no, no. I, I, actually, I actually think that's pretty cute. Uh, that that, that they call her Abra, and she actually says like, she actually says like, I know a magic. At the beginning of the movie, she actually says like, I know a magic word. She says Abracadabra, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, her name's Abra, so cute. <laughs> um, what did you think about Ewan McGregor? I like Ewan McGregor. I've been a f- I've been a fan of his of his work for like. I'll, I'll say for like 20 years, you know, as, as long as I've really been in the film. Um, I really enjoyed his performance in this film. It wasn't anything super special. It just, I don't know, he just seemed to fit, fit, fit the character. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I have to give him props on is he's, he, he's a Scottish actor. He has a thick-ass Scottish accent. Um, if you ever see him in the film, he's either playing, a, either he, his Scottish accent's coming out, which is rarely, or he's playing a British character. Or even more rarely, he plays an American character. And when you hear his American accent, you can hear the Scotsman trying to come out. Mm-hmm. But this one, I think he finally got it. Yeah. <laughs> After over 20 years, you can barely hear it in his accent now. <laughs> you want to hear something funny? What's that? I didn't know he was Scottish till. Oh, he told me. see, that's how good he is now. <laughs> well, the thing is, he's an established actor. Mm-hmm. I should have seen him in something. Kind of reminds me of Dennis Quaid. Really? A little bit. I think. Oh, you the, younger. Uh, um, uh, oh, okay. Lifeless ordinary. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, train spotting. Uh huh. That's him, with his thick ass Scottish accent. Yeah, but he was young, wasn't he? Yeah, but he still has Scottish accent. I don't recognize people when they're young to when oh they're older. God. He looks almost exactly the same. I don't recognize people when I know them. That's why you kind of look at me every every time, like, who's this guy? I'm like, who the fuck are you? Get away. I know. Who am I doing this podcast with? <laughs> What's your name? What's my name? I don't know. Um, and that's all you have to say about him? Uh, yeah, like I said, he did, he did a good job, a fine job. Um, like I said, he just he seemed to fit that character. I actually can't picture anybody else playing Danny Torrance. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure if I think about her enough, I probably could. But I don't know. He, he's... I think he did a. I think he did a, a really good job as a as a really damaged individual. I think he did a good job as a damaged individual, and then also cleaning up. Mm-hmm. Like he was so awkward when he 
when he realizes what his role is going to be in the new town he chooses. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he, I think he was awkward about the fact that this person was dying. Yeah, and, no, and he still, even though he's trying not to use The Shining, mm-hmm. he's still using it whether he realizes it or not, right? Because he's, maybe he's not talking to people mm. or like it's he's not letting in as strong as it could be but he's still helping people pass on yeah he finds a he finds a he finds a purpose with his ability he finds a cat he finds a cat uh that's a, such a cute kitty this is a damn cute cat the cat can tell when someone's gonna die so the cat like you know it's cute but it's evil mm okay you know because like you're gonna die i'm gonna go sleep with you yeah because yeah, <laughs> dan torrance he's working in uh he's working what in a, in a hospice in a hospice yeah and there's a cat i mean i've heard stories about this that there are cats and dogs i can actually tell that like this person's about to go mm-hmm. and he essentially like has this cat who like walks into this room and like dan torrance knows this person's gonna die and he actually like comforts him comforts that person saying like it's okay go into the light you know we go on blah blah blah. he might even uh pull stories from their past like things that he shouldn't know oh yeah to like kind of remind them like oh remember this well it remember a beautiful day like this that you live well you're gonna go back to that right now yeah you know and it's very and there's a scene where he does it with an old an old man it's very sweet Mm -hmm. it's very i think it's very good yeah um so that's that's what I'm saying. There's like a huge contrast between how he is in the beginning, mm-hmm. which he, is like, like very, he's so goddamn homeless. Yeah, homeless. He like steals money from a woman um, who obviously needs it for her kid. That for me is like, I actually felt my walls coming up with that one. Really, I didn't want to feel it. Yeah. So like, I watched it, mm-hmm. and it was realistic enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um. To see him with his beard and how homeless he looked. And he got drunk with this girl and did drugs with her. And he went back to her place and... No, he woke up at her place. He went... Well, he had to go back to her place first. They no. went They went back to her place. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, when he woke up the next morning... uh he thought she was sleeping, I mm-hmm. guess, or was she was telling out. himself that yeah, she, she was, was sleeping. And she had vomited in the bed and all of that. And mm. then he goes to take money out of her wallet. And he hears, I think, the old man, uh, Tony. No, it's Dick. Dick, Dick, yeah. Dick Holleran. The guy, so the guy, it's not the original actor who played Dick Holleran. It's Carl Lumby. But that dude does a spot on Dick Hollerin. For mm. a minute, I was like, "Holy shit! Did they did they CGI this actor? <laughs> Holy shit! I thought it was the original, um, the original guy who played Dick Hollerin, whose his name is can't find his name, but that guy. I oh Scatman Crothers. There you go. Sorry. I thought he looked like him until I watched. The Shining again the other night, mm. and no, no, he doesn't look that much like him. Mm. First of all, you got to admit his demeanor's the same though. His demeanor's the same, mm-hmm. so the acting was good enough that it really made you think. Mm, okay, but 
Scatman Crothers was much older than this other guy. Yeah. Um, it, it seemed like he was much older. Like you could even see the um, the fogginess in his eyes. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, from yeah, age. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. This other guy's younger, plus I think Scatman Crothers had like a warmer skin tone than this guy has. He's like... I think that had to do with the lighting, though, because um, Mike Flanagan tends to have very cold... I don't know, kind of cold lighting when it comes to making this. It always makes it seem like every room he's in is fucking freezing. That's true. Um, so anyways, he tells him, like, look, you shouldn't be doing this. Mm. And he's like, why? She stole from me first. Yeah, even though he, like, bought her alcohol. Well, he said supposedly that she, st- she might have stolen his money to buy drugs, right? Yeah. So he's kind of, like, justifying it. He's, yeah, he's justifying it. And then, you know, he also remembers, like, beating somebody up, like, horribly the night before. Yeah. And, um, so anyways, this little kid pops out. And the only reason why I'm going through all of this, like, I don't like retelling stories, but there's a reason. Mm-hmm. And it's because later on, he sees them and they're dead. Yeah, that part kind of made me a bit confused. Am I, to, am I led to believe that they eventually died? They did. Really? Because she died. He didn't, like, look after her. Uh, yeah, because she, she was, like... With- she had thrown up already. She wasn't moving. I couldn't even see her breathing. Oh, okay. And then that little boy came out. Yeah. And he put him up on the bed with her and left. Okay. So they died. I wish they kind of told that that a little bit better. Made a better con- uh, inner conflict with Dan, if that was the case. Yeah. I think he was still, I think he was still um, dealing with his alcoholism and everything Mm -hmm. when he saw them. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was still at the beginning of him trying to get better. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like that is such a harsh part of the story. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you just move on from that? Right. Like it's different than knowing that you can see ghosts and you're able to like astral project and all these different things Mm -hmm. that's something that you can that's totally different but knowing that you let somebody die i don't know like how does his character cope with that then you're not drinking anymore Mm -hmm. so you're like oh i stopped drinking you made me a better person by dying because i stopped (laughs) drinking yeah they don't like i said they don't really touch up on that I mean, what you're, what you're pointing out is, is really great, but they, they didn't even really cover that that much of it. I'm sure it's probably deeper in the book. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you... Uh, oh, you said you like Rebecca Ferguson. What did you think about her performance? I've seen her somewhere before. In the House of Haunted Hill. She plays the mother. I think she plays the mother. Well, she, I don't know. I've seen her somewhere else else before. Like in some oh preppy ass Mission thing. Impossible. Oh, maybe she's in Fallout and Rogue Nation. Um, I liked her. Mm. I thought that her she came across as really weird. So, like, here's the thing. What? Mm. No, go on, go on. She, I, I actually was a little distracted by how she was walking. What do you mean? 
Because I'm like, you walk like an actress with money. <laughs> like, she's so fucking dainty and shit. Mm-hmm. And then her hand movements were kind of like Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow. She actually yeah. was kind of like a female Jack Sparrow. Well, yeah, I, 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 I called them when we were leaving the theater that I said they look like new age hippies. Like, I picture her and her gang of, like, Winnebago drivers. They live, you know, they have a beach house in Venice. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, they make fucking metal art on the lawn or some shit like that. I don't know. <laughs> it, just, it just reminds me of, like, it reminds me of white people who have a lot of money who were, like, oh, I'm all about, like, gluten-free and, like, the hippie nature. But I retired at, like, 40. Yeah. You know, because I have so much fucking money. That's how I, that, that's how I was viewing them. I guess. Um, so, I kind of think that has a lot to do with her. Mm-hmm. Not so much the other characters, but her. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, maybe you didn't catch it, but I feel like people's body movements are very nuanced. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I work with somebody, and he knows, I've told him before, like, you still walk like you're walking down a fucking catwalk. <laughs> oh, the the, uh, the model guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, I do." <laughs> <laughs> I guess because like you just you get used to you you do it for so long that it just becomes a part of you, right? So I'm saying like, I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but people who have had money for a while, mm-hmm. from uh, maybe even a very young age, they walk a certain way. Yeah, because they don't have the weight of the world on their fucking shoulders. Maybe, but I'm saying like. I don't know. It come, it's not just the weight of the world. It's like you spend your money taking care of your skin, going to spas, going, you know, like you're, you have the money healthy, and the time to, to the eat healthy, do yoga, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I thought I saw something recently about the fact that when you are an act. Oh, no, 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 no. We were talking to what's her name from Ooh. Widows. Oh no, no no that's not from Widows. She's talking about um, Alfie Woodard, but she's not from Widows. You talking about the at the Variety event, right? I thought she wasn't the main actress in that. No, you got that's a completely different woman. <laughs> oh. Um. Anyways, yes, that lady. She. She was talking about how when you are, because someone asked her a question about what made you want to get into acting and how much work is it and all this. She was saying how. Yeah. Alfred Woodward. She's in Luke Cage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. She was saying how when you're an actor or an actress, you spend so much time, not, not just learning how to get in touch with your feelings and everything and use them on the screen but you actually have to retrain yourself how to move and and like your body language and everything Mm -hmm. and i don't think rebecca ferguson did that very well oh (laughs) you think she was carrying too much of her personal life within her character and her character didn't call for what her personal life her personal life entails if you're thousands of years old Mm -hmm. you are not walking like 
some lady who grew up in Beverly Hills. Yeah, I mean, she her character was seems her character did seem too polished, too polished, and a little bit too carefree. Um, I guess that kind of goes into like her, the fact that she's a quasi semi quasi immortal being, mm-hmm. so maybe she felt like a little lighter on the lighter in hotels, kind of like you know, like she didn't really have a whole lot of issues to deal with, even though her character had a lot of issues to deal with during the movie. Yeah, there's no excuse. <laughs> there's no excuse. Like no, there's no excuse. You don't get to be thousands of years old mm-hmm. and act like you grew up in Beverly Hills. Yeah. Yeah, now you're kind of really pointing that out. She seems she did come off very foolish, um, even though they, you know, they're considered immortal, but their existence is still finite. Mm-hmm. And she kind of did walk around like, "Oh, we are immortal." Like there, there's there are uh, there's a scene where like there's this gunfight, and her and her crew, not her, not Rebecca Ferguson's character, but several of her, of her crew members are taken out, and they're taken out easily. Like one to two bullets, like to a side or to a hip or a shoulder, and they're like, "Ah!" and they just like die. In fact, we don't even actually get to know what their powers were, if they had any at all. Yeah, no, and this this goes into like why I didn't feel like that they were really a threat. I mean, they were a threat to like to the child that they killed in the movie, but mm-hmm. like have them attack an adult and see how that happens, how that goes, how that goes on. You know, like they didn't really seem like they kind of, they became a threat until uh, Snake Bite Andy came along. Who have the ability to pretty much tell you what to do, mm-hmm. which that's a threat, right? But everybody else, he was just like, "Oh, I got a knife," you know. Especially uh, Kevin Richardson from the Backtree Boys, you know, he didn't really seem like a threat. Mm. <laughs> You're just like, mm, Mark's still saying that shit. I have a hard time with thinking people are other people, as you can tell, because I thought that one lady was Alfred Woodward. Mm-hmm. Um, and you thought Hugh McGregor was Dennis Quaid. Mm-hmm. That guy does not look like him. His skin is too light. He mm. looks too Spanish. He looks too Spanish. His eyes are too green or whatever they color they are. Mm. He he does not look like him at all. Kevin Richardson or the guy who played Kevin Richardson. Uh, to me, they kind of look. Maybe it's just the facial hair. But it's just throwing me. It's off. probably just the facial hair because he looks Spanish, like. He straight up should have some fucking knight armor on and shit. <laughs> oh, like a Spaniard Spanish. Yes. Yeah, gotcha. Like Spaniard Spanish. Okay, okay. Let's get back to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you stop saying that, because I will stop and tell you this okay. every single time. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to, but go on. <laughs> um, uh, oh, go, uh, what's your take on the, the, the effects? Because you kind of touched up on it a little bit before we got into spoilers. I thought they were good. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how they recreated the Overlook. Oh, yeah. I love going back to that Overlook hotel. Is it still a working hotel? It's an actual hotel. It's an actual legit hotel. Um, they actually have what's called the Overlook Film Festival. Where they show horror movies for a whole week. Do they keep it true to how it looked in the movie? No, it's it's changed up quite a bit. Um, they actually had to rebuild the over certain sec. They actually had to kind of kind of rebuild the Overlook Hotel for this film. Um, okay, the Overlook Hotel is actually called the Stanley Hotel. Mm. Um, actually, you know what? The Stanley Hotel is 
the Stanley Hotel that's supposed to be the Overlook Hotel, um, it's more. It looks more like um, to the to the 1996 movie TV movie series. The Overlook Hotel kind of looks like that, um, but there the way how they design it is the old way how it was in the Shining. Mm-hmm. This one they had to kind of rebuild it again. To, okay. to give it that effect. But like the way how it looked, the hotel looks now, which is called the Sandy Hotel, it looks nothing like how the Overlook looked back then. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's that. And then I also like, first of all, also they didn't choose a good actor to portray the child, Danny. Because then after watching The Shining, mm. his hair was blonder and wavier in The Shining. And this okay. kid's hair was darker and straight. Oh, okay. I got you. Um, so, but as far as their powers go, I guess, like, you know how in The Shining, Danny would use his finger and that would be Tony? Mm-hmm. In this one, like, they actually show you, it's like wor- like world bending. Yeah. So, like, you know they're going to astral project because all of a sudden... They're like sliding up a wall and then they're like hanging onto the window and then they're falling out of it and they're flying. Yeah. Um, the actress, um, Kylie Curran, she, there's a really great scene where she like taps into her power and like the room she in, she's in just like rotates where she has to hang from it. And it's like some really good editing, mm-hmm. um, which gotta get over to Mike Flanagan because he did the editing for this movie. Mm-hmm. So you can see like where where the great cuts are, yeah. And they, but yeah, you can actually get an idea of like the the capabilities of the of their powers, which is told which The Shining didn't have, which you know understands back in the day they didn't have the the money for the effects or even the effects to do it. But now it looked fucking awesome. I I actually feel like us talking about it isn't going to be adequate. Oh yeah, absolutely yeah. Um, it's not just that it did a good job of showing you their powers but also it's pretty like it's really beautiful like you totally get sucked in and you're with them you're Mm -hmm. not like in your seat watching this person you're actually like you are them experiencing yeah yeah um one oh so one thing i truly dug and i saw it's funny i kind of saw this coming um they did the, They did this really great Chekhov. Do you know what Chekhov gun means? What no. the term means? In t- movie terms, Chekhov con- Chekhov's gun means if you see a gun at the beginning of the movie, that gun better fire by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you see something, you can expect it to come back. Um, the parts where they show Danny how he would trap the spirits of the Overlook in those boxes, mm-hmm. I knew that was coming back. I didn't know how, in what capacity, but as soon as I saw that, I was like, check out boxes right there. <laughs> and they, there's this really cool part where Dan has to get the upper hand on Dan, upper hand, huh, on Rose the <laughs> on Rose the hat, and she's like, she's she's on top of him. She's like getting all his like shining and everything, and she's like. She like grabs his hand. She's like, "What you got in there? Oh, I want that. I want all that." And he he goes, "What are you hiding?" And he says, "They're not hiding. They're hungry." And they show all the boxes open up in a row. Mm. And it was like, boom! I, I thought that was really dope. How he what he essentially weaponized the Overlook Hotel to take her out. Yeah, I thought that was fucking awesome. Um, I almost thought when you said when you were explaining about Chekhov's gun, I thought you were talking about the alcohol 
alcoholism coming back. Oh, <laughs> because okay. you know, like he he's been sober for like eight years or something like that. Uh huh. And you know how the bartender's like, here, have a drink, have a drink. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's not Chekhov's gun. Yeah. Um. Speak of the bartender. Speak of the bartender. That was bad, though. Ah, uh, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was awful. I thought it looked like Jim Carrey when he played the comedian Moon Man or some shit. Oh, um, Man on the Moon? When yeah, that one. Um, well, he looked like him with a fucking yeah, unibrow. Kind of, yeah. Uh, they, they do this really cool thing where, like, I, I mean, I think it's cool, where they don't, they don't essentially take clips from The Shining. They essentially just recreate like key scenes from The Shining, mm-hmm. like the famous like axe through the door scene where like Shelley Duvall is like screaming her head off. They redo that, but they get um, different actors and actresses, and there's just really great. Scene. I thought I thought it was the great, the best scene of the whole movie, where Hugh McGregor goes to the bar where his father Jack Torrance was at, has to drink from Lloyd, and instead of it being Lloyd, it's Jack Torrance. And he has this moment to talk to his father and pretty much just tells him, like, there's, like, this moment where he's, like, not, like, Dad, why you do this? But, Dad, you were an asshole. Like, you were a piece of shit. Yeah, and and the guy's, like, not. Just like how he was talking to the bartender Jack Torrance was in The Shining. And the guy's, like, almost like a robot. He doesn't have any thoughts of his own yeah yeah and like jack his is, father was like that too yeah jack and jack torrance and the doctor sleep is like I, you know he does he says he does thing where like i've always been here which is like how he treated um the previous uh groundskeeper ma- yeah from the shining mm-hmm. and but then but then he like he kind of goes around it saying like a father has to do this and a father has to do this and when his kids are toxic blah 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 like so he's like, it's like the Overlook speaking to him, but at the same time, Jack Torrance is speaking to him. Right. And it's just like this really pivotal, like emotional moment. I was just like, damn, that's some good shit. <laughs> so I absolutely love that scene. Um, very short um, scene with uh, the, whoever played Shelley Duvall mm-hmm. did a great job. Yeah, I almost did. thought it was her. Yeah, she has, she, she has some... Uh, uh, very, very, I won't say few, but few is not the right word. She had a lot of similarities to Charlotte Laval. Even mm-hmm. like her screaming was black, very sure. Even like her breathing. And her talking. Yeah. yeah. It's very sure Shelly Duvall. All right. So, do you think people should go see this? Yes. Go see it. Yeah, go you see know, it. We don't want to be those people who say, oh, we're so sad that people are not watching it because of box office numbers, but mm. we actually went and saw it, and you should go see it too and support the film because I think it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I think Stephen King has even come out saying, like, don't let the numbers affect your decision. Like, it's a great film. Yeah. And Stephen King is Stephen King's not one of those people who's like, give me money, I'll say whatever you want. Like, he speaks his fucking mind. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think he's bullshit. No, go see the movie. Go see it. All right, um, we watched The Watchmen. So our geriatric cinematic this week is uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. I don't suppose they uh, told you anything in Denver about the tragedy we had up here during the winter of 1970. I heard a man named Charles Grady is the winter caretaker. From what I've been told, I mean, he seemed like a completely normal individual. But at some point, 
during the winter. He must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amok and uh, killed his family with an axe. Well, you can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. All right. Um, it was in 1980 that the film came out. Uh, of course, it was directed by Stanley Kubrick, who did 2001 A Space Odyssey, A Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket. It was written by Stanley Kubrick. Um, and the synopsis is, a family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father into violence while his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from both past and future. Uh, it stars Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance, Shelley Duvall as Wendy Torrance, Danny Lloyd as Danny... Scatman Crothers as Holleran. Yeah, Dick Holleran. Um, what did you think about this one? Um, I still love this movie. I've, I've, I've watched this movie over and over as a kid. I'm a, I've said it before on the show that I'm a huge uh, Stanley Kubrick fan. So, I don't know, it's kind of like re-watching it again. Um, I don't, it's, it, to me, it still holds up. Um... Like there's a like a level of fear and terror that the movie has, but it doesn't rely on like gore, you know. And this is at a time during the '80s where like it's leaving the '70s era, where like slasher films are still kind of, I think slasher films are kind of just coming into their own. Mm-hmm. And you know, Kubrick's been a very artistic director, so the fact that he t- he applied his artistic his artistic eye and his his ability to really kind of like weave a really messed up story and to make it like a really horrifying tale, even with his own vision. I think it was really, I think it's still really great. Like people have, I don't think anybody's ever been able to match this type of movie. No. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there is, but like, I don't know to me, every time I think of like a really good horror film, I just think like the, the shining. I think that kind of has to do with the fact that some of the way he shot the scenes was very modern. Mm-hmm. Like it makes sense even now. Mm. Um, so like when we were talking about James Dean earlier and I was talking about how old films are just kind of old for people. Yeah. This one is kind of outside of that. How so? Because of the filmmaking. No, like what is it? It's, it still looks modern. Like, I guess cause it doesn't like, look like as old. The techniques they use. I'm not talking about like the cameras or anything mm. like that. I'm talking about the techniques that they oh, use. Oh yeah. I gotcha. So, like, when he's using the axe on the door, mm-hmm. that's so new. Even new people aren't doing it. Like, Yeah, that's that's really like, great. Why how don't people doesn't. do that more? Yeah, that's really great how, how they do that. I don't know if they really do do that now I think about it. I mean, they do, they do, like, certain camera movements and everything, but it always seems like, like there's a CGI element to it. But this one, I don't know how they did it, but, like, where he swings the axe and the camera, like, like shoots left and, like, shotguns right and, like turns right at the moment where the act connects with the door Mm -hmm. that's still like a badass fucking scene yeah it's actually just more impactful Mm. um yeah people don't do that do that these days either they did they didn't do that really before then Mm. and they don't do it now so is it so new that it hasn't really if it like if it was like time travel Mm. and it came from the future has it not been invented yet (laughs) <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, what did you think of? Um, I know you're not much of a Jack Nicholson fan. I mean, you kind of like said how much you didn't really care for his role in Easy Rider. I am. I am a Jack Nicholson fan. I just 
think that he's a bit uh, the same in most of his movies. Well, what did you think about him in this one? The same. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, he, he, he was he was good. Okay. Um, I think he did really well as like being a regular guy, mm-hmm. and then you know maybe being irritated by his family mm. and then really stepping it up. I think the way he makes his facial expressions really adds to his character. Yeah. I think it's funny that um, you say that it adds his character. And then Stephen King has said like, he doesn't like Jack Nicholson playing as Jack Torrance. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere he said, I don't know if it's doing an interview or something, but he had said that, like, when you read The Shining, and I get this from the book, when you read The Shining, he just comes off as, like, an average guy. Like, mm-hmm. maybe he has a drinking problem, but he's just an average guy. And he's like, slowly slips into madness, and you can you can read and kind of envision his de- his descent into, like, the Overlook Hotel. Um, but in The Shining, he t- even though, like I said, I like it, I like The Shining, the Stanley Cooper version, from the jump, you're just like, all right, this dude's crazy. Just the way I like how he smiles and stuff like that. You're just like, all right, he's 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 ready to snap. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. That's what I'm saying. Like he's just he's very particular. Like it's like every role he plays is a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Or if it's not a bad guy, it's a crazy guy. He's he's got some really good some like legit role like in Chinatown. He plays like a like a hard nose a hard nose uh, detective who like doesn't take shit from anybody. But that still kind of lends to that same kind of character, right? Like you're willful. I guess I don't know. Like maybe it's the way how he kind of carries himself. It's kind of similar, like the way how he talks. Because mm-hmm. his, his style of like talking, even his facial expressions, is very. It's unique, but it's well known. And maybe because he kind of carries that over into, like, different other movies. Like, there's this great movie. Um, I'm trying to think of a really good Jack Nicholson movie where he's not crazy. Um, I can't say Departed because he was fucking crazy in that movie, too. Yeah. Uh, and old. He was crazy and old. Yeah. Well, like, okay, like, there's a movie he did called, I think it's called, like, About Schmidt. And he doesn't really play crazy. He just plays, like, a really depressed old guy. And yeah. it's kind of sad. <laughs> Hmm. But it's funny you had to really think about it. Well, I'm not really thinking about uh, Jack Nicholson right now, so that's oh. why I'm like I have to like really dig deep to try to find something. Got it. Um, what did you think about uh, Shelley Duvall? Um, <laughs> <laughs> she does this thing. It's really annoying. I like her in this movie, but she does this thing that's really annoying where she's like running with her hands in the air, uh-huh. like very flimsy. Mm-hmm. Like even if she tried to like strike me with a knife, it'd just be like, ah, oh, that tickle. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, but man, she plays a victim up fucking well. Yeah. I mean, damn well. I mean, from stories I've heard is like, um, I've heard stories that like st- were kind of like fucked with her on set. Mm-hmm. And kind of told her that like nobody liked her and kept her away from Jack Nicholson, so they can they can be like that disconnect, that disconnection um, before the films before the filming starts, and it really like 
really traumatized her. Uh, supposedly she was like losing her hair and shit like that while on set. Did she continue acting after? Yeah, she continued acting later on, but like not not for long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, from what I heard, from what I and this is and this goes into Kubrick's um, his ability as a director. He's been known to like really fucking push actors, like and put them in an uncomfortable situation. Like there's there's a rumor that Jack Nicholson, um, in order for him to get in the right agitated mood. They only fed fed Jack Nicholson cheese sandwiches for two weeks, <laughs> which like apparently he fucking hates. Yeah. So I can picture Cooper going like, "No, just give him cheese sandwiches," so he can piss him off. <laughs> but like he he wants it. He wants like a genuine like he wants a genuine reaction from his actors, which he's pulled from a lot of great performances. Mm-hmm. So. You know, like those monkeys in two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. Oh yeah, he pulled the top top tier performance <laughs> from the Monkey Men. <laughs> You know, or from the Space Baby. Oh yeah, Space Baby was great. Yeah, I like Space Baby. <laughs> um, let's see. As a person who's not really familiar with, I mean, because you've only seen, you've only seen two Kubrick films. You've, I don't, you've seen two thousand one, which you didn't really like, or the ending. You're, you know, you have your issues with that movie, mm-hmm. and then this one, you've seen another of Kubrick's work, but from without that nostalgia lens on Kubrick like what's your opinion on on his direction for this film for like especially this horror film um I think he had I think he has a like he's effective right he's not just an average guy throwing a movie together that shouldn't be doing that Mm. um which is kind of what we get left with a lot today yeah um he's right up there with like Scorsese and Actually, probably better than him. Is it better than Scorsese? Totally. Um, damn. I, I've actually never pit those two against each other. Well, here's the thing, right? Scorsese kind of has, like, his go-to genre, mm-hmm. right? Which is what? Anything having to do with mafia. Uh, yeah, kind of, but he, he has stepped out a bit. But yeah, yeah, he, he, is, he, he is mainly known for, like, the mafia mafia guy. But he, yeah, you're right. He does step out, but his his stories tend to be things that are like totally normal. Mm-hmm. But you're you're trying to be taken on an emotional ride okay. with an average person. Yeah. Whereas Kubrick's is, is elevated because he doesn't stick with that right he could do anything mm-hmm. essentially and he he puts those average um human qualities into stories that are not average at all yeah um and then makes them huge yeah and i think he also um i i also think he still takes that that thriller or horror genre and puts it in other types of film mm-hmm. like um uh, not 2001. Um, like Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket is a really fucked up story. Mm-hmm. But it's actually kind of terrifying to watch. Um, especially because you're getting into like this crazy psycho mindset of like Vincent D'Onofrio's character. Mm-hmm. And you get in a crazy psycho mindset of... He was in that movie? Vincent D'Onofrio? Yeah. Yeah, it's a very young Vincent D'Onofrio. I fucking love that guy. Um, and he's even... In, but he could still do kind of like these weird films like, for example, like Barry Lydon. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it, but I heard it's like one of his best films ever. Um, 
And then he brings up and he brings the creep factor in the remake of Lolita, Mm -hmm. which is a story of a young man who falls in love with a teenager and it stars Jeremy Irons. Mm -hmm. But it's a creepy fucking movie. That sounds creepy. Yeah, it's really creepy. I've seen like bits and pieces of it, but oh, that's a very unsettling movie. Yeah. But that's why I think he might be even a little bit better than Scorsese. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I get you. I mean... Plus, wh- I don't know. Scorsese doesn't, especially after his comments recently, mm-hmm. he doesn't sound super open-minded. Who's Scorsese? Yeah, even like as directors, I think, should be. Yeah, I would have to say Kubrick's a little bit more open-minded. Um, Kubrick, I mean, before he died, he worked on... He, did, he was working on that movie A.I., that very heavily sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. I can't picture Scorsese doing a sci-fi movie at all. Right. Um, Scorsese has tapped into the horror genre, horror genre with Shutter Island, but still, it's kind of like it's kind of like Goodfellas, just in a horror setting. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he's good, but he's only good in his world. <laughs> Who? Uh, Scorsese. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You go with what you know. <laughs> I guess. Um, what did you think about the kid? Oh, the actor who played Danny Torrance, uh, Danny Lloyd. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Um, that kind of goes back to like my thing about children, child actors. I'm not mm-hmm. a really big fan of child actors. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a lot of staring. I think that's how he was acting. Yeah. I mean, it's... And plus, he wasn't really scared, right? He was doing his best to look scared, but... I read something where Scorsese didn't want him knowing he was in a horror film. Mm. So he made him think that he was in, like, a drama. Yeah. And even when um, Shelley Duvall's, like, running away with Danny, apparently she was carrying a doll. Okay, now, see, I think think that, that affects... That affects his acting, because like I don't know, I want I I want to see the genuine fear out of the kid, but you don't really get that genuine fear out of him. There's even a part where like he's looking at the twin girls and he does this face where he's like horrified, mm-hmm. but you can it it looks so comical. Yeah, it looks it so looked comical. like a fucking animated. Like how anything from like the fifties would be animated to look like it was scared. Yeah, like it was an over exaggeration. Like, you know, yeah. and I was just kind of like, okay, not really feeling it. Like, whenever, whenever Jack Torrance, whenever Shadow of All Hell, when it's even um, Scatman uh, Crothers, I'm just like, yeah, I'm totally with it. But whenever Danny shows up, I'm like, okay, we're doing the Danny thing right now. <laughs> you know? yeah. Oh, you again? <sighs> this child. Great. I think they chose him because his eyes are very expressive. Probably. I wouldn't doubt that. Like, he was, I don't think he was that bad. I just, it could have been worse. That's true. Um, yeah, Danny Lloyd, he, he, he did The Shining. He did an autobiography. And he, was in, he had a small cameo in Doctor Sleep. And that was it. <laughs> I think after that, he was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Probably not. You know, he was too young to really know what he wanted. His yeah. parents probably wanted him to be an actor. Yeah. Um, what did you think about... Um, actually, what was your favorite scene? 
In The Shining? Yeah. Um, all right. Darling, light of my life. You did not finish. You didn't let me finish. I forgot what he was going to say now. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to hurt you. I didn't say I was going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. I'm just going to bash right the fuck in. <laughs> the place. Give me the bat. Give me the bat. I'm sorry. That's from The Simpsons. Um, that's my favorite scene where he's cr- when he's creeping up and he says that. I absolutely love that scene. Mm. I cannot get that. That's a great scene where Shirley Duvall is swinging that bat and he just says that creepy ass fucking line. Actually, you know what? You pointed something out to me that I never I never noticed until you said it. There's this really great scene where like um, Jack Torrance is on the typewriter, he's typing away, and the camera is like slowly. Um, zooming in on him mm-hmm. and you notice that he and it's like way way zoomed out like you can see the whole big room with the huge chandeliers yeah. on the high ceiling and like the scene is very the 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 scene is very symmetrical like the way how the camera set in the middle the stairs is in the middle even the tables in the middle but jack torrance is just a little bit off like to the left. Yeah, like he sh- he should be sitting right beneath the middle chandelier, and he's yeah. not. Yeah, and it's like a it's like a little it's like a little unnerving f- like effect. Like if you got OCD, you're just like, ah, that's not right. Like he should be sitting right in the middle. Yeah. And I think I, I that goes into Kubrick's direction. He's just like, I want to do this. I want to fuck with people's head. <laughs> you know. Um, even the the typing on the pages is different. Oh, yeah. I actually, what was it? There's something I, I found out that, like, I think it took, like, two months to get all that typing done. Who? Um, all the typing that well, were... Well, who, who typed it? Uh, I don't know. I think... I think if you do, give it to, like, ten people. And they could probably have knocked that shit out in a week. <laughs> yeah, but you're gonna get, like, ten people to sit down and, like, do all that, do all that typing. Uh, you gotta pay them for that stuff. Not if you have 10 good friends. Okay. And back then, you can make 10 good friends. Nowadays, you can't, but... Yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't I don't know that I can remember where, where I saw it, but it, I think it took, like, a several months to, to get... Just to have that number of stack... I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Cooper from doing this, but, like, he, there's, like, a huge stack of papers, and they seem all to have the whole, you know, all play and no fun makes Jack a dull boy in different types of format oh all work and no play yeah, yeah all work and no play thank you all work and no play and i i wouldn't put it past kubrick be to go like yeah i need like 200 pages of this written just like this and from from i heard or from what i read i think it took like three months just to get all that done mm. which is fucking insane it's weird because they're not all the same, though. I know. We'll see that adds to it. That's like, you, you know, we have to change it. Like, I mean, because I'm sure if you had it all the same, it'd probably be done a lot faster. But he was probably like, no, I want it like slightly like this and slightly like that and slightly like this to kind of let you know that like he's not just mindlessly typing. He's typing like with a psychotic purpose. Yeah. So. <laughs> like, I thought it was funny. Like you see it and it's all going across the whole page and then all mm. of a sudden it looks like it's a, a conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's even a point where it looks like it's like triangles or something. Oh, like yeah, they're doing shapes. Yeah, shapes <laughs> with all those words. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I mean, 
I, I still think it's a great film. Um, I can't really say if I like the book or the movie better because I both love love those mediums. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's still it's a classic. I still I still see it as a classic. But Kelsey, like, what did you think about it? Do you still think you see it, consider it a classic? I think it's a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a little bit of an issue with the ending. Really? Yeah, and it only took me till maybe last night to realize it. Mm. But who dies of hypothermia? Like he's frozen to death. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't happen like that. Mm-hmm. Like that's too quick. It's it's like they had only so much time to kill him that way in the film, so they sped it up or something. Mm. Um. Other than that, though, it was like even like even if he died that way, it's fine. I just think the time constraint thing made it a little awkward, like a little forced. Yeah. But the whole movie made sense to me. Yeah. And it was great. Um, yeah. Cool. That was it. <laughs> okay. Um, so what do we got for next week? Uh, we have Ford versus Ferrari as our recent review. We have um, Raging Bull as our geriatric cinematic. Uh, we have another Watchmen episode. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the news. Anybody you want to give a shout-out to? Lilo Allen. Yay, Lilo Allen. <laughs> he didn't do the... Oh, I mean, I know, Lee, if you're listening, I know you are. I know you wish you did the intro. Because if you did, your intro would be in a Stanley Kubrick film. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> but we got your outro. So, thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so, um, kind of interested in what's going on next week, and, uh, you know, that's it, that's it, you know, do your usual, all right, bye everybody, you're supposed to say we love you, nah, (laughs) why not, I don't want to, oh, fine, bye.